0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is March the 6th. hope everybody is doing well. We're going to talk about the good and bad things from the Bucks 500 weekend. We will also talk about Marquette trying to conquer their latest demon this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, St. John's game as well in there. Lastly, we will talk about Aaron Rodgers. Will we get a decision this week? Some people think that is coming. That is on the precipice, if you will. Uh, but before I get going, just make sure you're following along on social media, Tevin Keg on Twitter. We dip below 800-THE-BOTS. Got me. Uh, so we're two before 800. So make sure you're following there. Uh, TikTok, Tapping the Keg Sports. Uh, we have, I think, eight left to get to 700. So uh, again, I'm not trying to beg for follows here, but we're we're getting close. Uh, and we're on Instagram, Tapping Keg Sports there. And on Facebook, if you are a boomer. Uh, also make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you're already subscribed on Apple or Spotify, if you are not subscribed, join us. Uh, we, oh no, if you are subscribed, excuse me, uh, make sure that you're uh, sharing it out, uh, doing the thing. I don't know. I, I think I said both they're off to a hot start. Uh, but anyways, just make sure you're doing your due diligence, whether you are subscribed or you aren't subscribed, that's all that matters. Uh, show schedule for this week. I haven't talked to Mitch yet, uh, transparently, so I don't know exactly when we'll do tapping in the keg. Uh, but usually we have done our Wednesday slot uh, for Thursday, um, so that probably is what's going to happen. Uh, I think that I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow. I was going to pass because I've been not doing Tuesday pods the last couple of weeks. But I think with the conference championships and how those are scheduled, I think we'll do like a big conference championship preview tomorrow uh, for Marquette and Wisconsin. We'll talk about what happens with UWM tonight. Um, I'll try to watch a good amount of it. Uh, I should. 8.30 is actually a good time for me, so we'll tape after the UWM game. And we, if they're in the finals, they're great. If they're not, we can talk about if they have an opportunity to get to one of the the smaller tournaments, whatever it may be. And then, uh, we'll obviously do Mitch this week and then with Marquette. So if Marquette goes, you know, past the quarterfinals, they beat Butler and St. John's, which hopefully they will. Uh, you know, as a one seed, you're always, you have a target on your back and we'll, we'll talk a lot about that here during this podcast, but. If they get past them and they play, you know, UConn or Providence on Friday night, we will do a pod for Saturday. Uh, I will have a Saturday pod, hopefully. Uh, I do have something in the morning. So if I can, you know, make sure that I don't have too many, uh, too many beers on on Friday night, I can get on the pod and recap what happened. Um, Probably only like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, nothing major. It's something that I want to do more often that is the sort of, I don't want to even call them instant reaction podcast because I feel like everybody calls them an instant reaction podcast, but it's just more of the in-the-moment stuff than waiting till Saturday because if Marquette were to beat Providence and then they were to advance to the final, let's say they play Creighton in the final, like I just feel like there should be pods because by Sunday we're going to be talking about the bracket, we're going to be talking about what Marquette, you know, has from a bracket perspective. And we will have the bracket out soon. Um, If anyone is looking to partner, if you think of somebody who might want to get involved, might want to do like a second place or third place prize, even if there's something really great, that could be a first place prize. Great. Like my, my first place prize is a hundred bucks and we, you know, optional podcast appearance. Like if you want to come on a pod, talk about whatever, whatever, you know, is on your mind. Um, that's kind of an option. But if you're just like, oh, I just want hundred bucks. Great. Like hundred bucks, take it. <laughs> so uh, that's definitely on the table still. Uh, but we will, uh, we'll get into all of that as we go on. I know it's a little longer of an intro uh, than, we're u- than we usually do. So let's stop talking about this type of stuff and let's get to the Milwaukee Bucks. So Milwaukee Bucks had a up and down weekend, right? They beat Philadelphia, or be Washington, Oh, it should be Philadelphia. They lost Philadelphia. So 500 weekend, the winning streak is over for the Bucs. Uh, they still have won 16 of their last 17 games. Uh, that's a, that's a way to put it. I don't know, seven, is it 17 of their last 18? Yeah, 17 of their last 18. I mean, it's still crazy. Um, they're still playing really good basketball. Uh, they just have one bad quarter against Philadelphia. I mean, and that's, I don't want to make that like nonchalant because it's a big deal. And we're going to talk about that in the bad part of this. We're going to start good because we're a positive podcast. But at the same time, you have to kind of maybe use that scope that the Bucks played kind of poorly in the first quarter. It kind of played poorly in the fourth quarter. The, the meat was good, right? It's like having a bad bread sandwich, or like having just soggy bread, but having like maybe an awesome like roast beef or corned beef or something like that in the middle. and You get that enjoyable meat. but The bread just stinks. It's kind of the Bucks on Saturday night. Like they just didn't really play well to start the game. They played awful to end the game, and they lose that one. But then they go to Washington, and it's a back-to-back because of Washington. Detroit had to move their schedule uh, due to the I think it was a flight issue or something like that where they canceled Pistons-Wizards. Yes, that's right. Because the Wizards couldn't get to Detroit because of Dallas. Like, there was bad weather in Dallas, and the Wizards were stranded in Dallas and could not get to Detroit. So the game got canceled, and so they had to move around the Bucks schedule. So they forced the Bucks into a back-to-back. Uh, this was not supposed to be back-to-back. I think this game was supposed to be on on Monday, but because of the the schedule change, it got moved to a back-to-back, obviously a tough one. They didn't rest anybody besides Chris Middleton, and they win the game, and they, they were in control. Um, The Wizards kept trying to kind of get back in. They actually led, I think, at one point in this third quarter, but the Bucks found enough gas in the tank to win this game, and that's, that's just a big win, Um, and especially with Boston losing. Uh, that is a huge win for the Bucks. so all in all, I, I think I feel better about this weekend than I do, like, I feel worse. Like, I just think it was one bad quarter for the Bucks, And as a team who's been really good uh, for the last, basically, six weeks, you know, you, you're you going to have a bad quarter here and there. And unfortunately, it's a bad quarter that costs you the game. Uh, and maybe, you know, in the next bad quarter, whether it's against Orlando, whether it's Brooklyn, whether it's against Golden State uh, next Saturday night, uh, if it's one of those, then... Yeah, hopefully that that doesn't that happens like in the second quarter, right? And doesn't happen in the last quarter of the game we have no time to respond. But let's get into the good and the bad of the weekend itself. First of all, you know it's good that they were able to get a win in Washington. We kind of spoke on it before, but yeah, the fact that they you know came in two it's third two three o'clock at night. Steve Novak said when the Bucks got in to DC, they were able to sleep a little bit. Were able to find just enough to pull it out is great. I mean, that, that to me is it speaks to the resolve of this team. It speaks to the just not not letting Saturday night hang around. There was no real hangover from this Bucks team. They were up early in the first quarter. They didn't show any signs of letting Saturday night's fourth quarter collapse linger, uh, which uh, it just speaks to why they're a champion, right? I, I don't think a team who isn't you know, in that sort of championship mode or maybe a younger team I think would let that one hang around. I think that that would be prime for a blowout. Like Memphis, who's obviously in the news for much worse reasons than just losing a bad, bad game on a Saturday night. Uh, but it, like to Memphis is a great example of this, right? If, Mem- if Memphis lost how the Bucks did on Saturday, there's no fucking way they're winning on, on Sunday. There just isn't. Right? That's just not who they are. Uh and so I, I look at that and I I think that speaks really to I said that a few times, but it seriously does. They, It just says a lot about the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday won the weekend. If you're talking about who played the best this weekend overall, it's Drew Holiday. Uh, Drew Holiday continues to be awesome for Milwaukee. Bill Simmons said he was an All-NBA player last week, and he continues to build his case. And I I think when you do stuff on primetime, you're going to get the eyeballs. um, And you're going to get people watching you paying paying enough attention to you but holiday was just incredible in both games. He had third, no 26, excuse me. 26 in the first game, uh 19 of 13. He had five threes. He also had 13 assists and four rebounds. He had one turnover for the entire game. I didn't think it was in the fourth quarter. Kind of came at a bad time. But regardless, Holiday was great uh on Saturday. And then he followed up on Sunday with 19 points, seven assists. He also made made that on 10 shots. He had three made threes uh and no and one turnover as well. So like really good weekend for Drew Holiday, really strong weekend for Drew Holiday. And he continues to be that second banana. He continues to be the the yin to Giannis's yang and, and that's just what you what you need. And it has been Chris Middleton for a long time. And I do think if Chris Middleton ever gets healthy again Maybe Chris Middleton becomes that second guy for Giannis. But at this point, it's Drew Holiday. And and that's that's great. And, and it's definitely needed. And holiday season has been, you know, wonderful to watch. I think it's definitely one of the highlights of the year so far. If you're like, what's what are the best parts? If you're just doing the whole season, like what's the good things about the season? Like Drew Holiday is way up there. Like that might be number one on the list. It, it, you know, Giannis is Giannis and every Every game is special, and that's why you you watch almost every game if you can, because Giannis is that fucking good, and you want to enjoy greatness. But to watch Drew night in, night out do this is special, too. And so he had a really good weekend. I thought the best weekend of any buck on the roster. Other good things uh, from the weekend. Uh, Giannis closing out the Wizards in the fourth quarter. Uh, I thought, you know, again, we went back to they They looked a little tired. They looked a little laggy. The Wizards were ready to sort of take over this game, and Giannis just didn't let it happen. And he finished uh, on on Sunday night. He did have a triple-double, 23 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds. Uh, he only made 12 shots, but the, the assists, I thought, were a big part of it. He... He really, you know, put his his stamp on the game at the end, and that's what you expect a star player to do. And Giannis did just that. It was a really great bench game, also in Washington. Uh, Joe Ingles had 14 points. Javon Carter at 20. Uh, Javon had six made threes in this game. He only missed four of them. He was really feeling it. Uh, this Javon Carter season has been something kind of incredible. I think all of us have. Expected at some point Javon's three point shooting to fall apart, but the guy just doesn't miss and he's he is a microwave, like he, he kind of just has a trigger whenever he starts to pull it, it's going. And there have been games where Javon has kind of shot himself out of playing time, where it's like, okay, got to pull the reins back. It's kind of the reason why I thought Goran Dragic was brought in, uh, which we I don't have mentioned here, but I will mention it now. I'm not really worried about Goran Dragic taking Javon Carter's minutes, I just think they needed. You know, a guy who actually was a point guard on the bench, and to give to give Drew Holiday maybe some some manageable minutes, right, to kind of make sure you're managing Drew Holiday's minutes a little bit better than than what you are currently, and that's okay. Like I, I, I'm I'm totally all right with that, and, and I'm perfectly okay. I don't I think you could see lineups where Carter and Dragic actually play together. Uh, but back to Javon, yeah, it was a great game, and and this is the type of stuff. That we see from Javon a lot. Um, he's been better in bigger spots, right? Uh, and that was something I was critical of. But against these teams that are, you know, maybe right around the play-in or in the lottery, this is where Javon Carter shines, and that's, and that's okay, right? Like I, I think we always want our guys to play well against the good teams, against the Phillies, against the Boston's, against the Cleveland's, Golden State. But at the same time, I, I really like. The fact that Javon can do this and be that sort of added value to what the Bucks have against the the lesser opponents in the NBA. Grayson Allen, uh, big bit in a big game again, shows up 20 points overall. He had 17 in the third quarter. He was on absolute fire. Uh, just a complete flamethrower game from him. Uh, and if that Grayson can continue to show up in these moments That's a really good sign for the Bucs. And that's something that I think we really have to consider, you know, that maybe there's a little more for Grayson and it's not going to be, you know, what we saw last season against Boston. And I felt like the Boston game last time around, he was much better like that, Grayson, if he showed up last year the bucks would have won that series and i'm not saying, and there weren't any guys playing right so we're going to have to see when Tatum and, and Brown are out there hopefully you know in a couple of weeks when the bucks and Celtics get together again but yeah Grayson was great i mean yeah 20 points on 10 shots uh six made threes on saturday he also had a pretty solid uh uh Sunday as well with 11 points, three made threes. He had a big three late as the Bucs were trying to push their lead out. Uh, so, yeah, if Grayson Allen doing that stuff, man, that that's good stuff. That's that's what you want. I think he's had now 22 straight games with a made three-pointer. So you have to at least acknowledge that Grayson's playing a little bit better, even if he was the ire of many Bucks fans at, at certain points this season. Uh, Bucks were speaking of threes. Like Bucks were killers from that. They were 17 to 34 on Saturday night, and then they were 22 of 49 on Sunday. So they basically shot about fifty 47 percent from three over the weekend. The Bucks themselves had 39 made threes over the weekend. Uh, that's great. Like that's what you want. Uh, and the Bucks, you know, earlier this year really struggled from distance. They're starting to figure it out. You know, from the three point land, and that's. And that's encouraging stuff. That's really that's really good to see uh, that that is what you want. And hopefully, you know, that pays off to more wins. And that's I think that's a part of the reason why Milwaukee has been so good the last six weeks is their three point game has really got going. You kind of saw it right before everybody got healthy, that they were starting to really hit their shots and they've sort of found their stride from deep. And so that's a huge, huge like thumbs up uh, going forward for this Bucks team. The last thing in the good before we head to negative town, the Bucs are now one and a half games up uh, the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics lose again to the New York Knicks on Saturday night in a double overtime game. Celtics now have to play a back-to-back against Cleveland tonight in Cleveland uh, after playing a double, an intense double overtime game. Uh, that works well in the Bucs' favor. Um, there is a, a world where the Bucs are two games up. Heading into their game against Orlando on set on Tuesday night, so huge, huge swing game there uh, after the Bucks lose on Saturday, and it's like okay, now Celtics, you know, now a half game back after they, you know, inexplicably lose to to Brooklyn on Friday night, where they were up by what was it? They were they were up by like twenty eight, I think that game. You know, Brooklyn ends up outscoring them by forty points um, the second quarter and on. It was crazy, just an absolute flip of a game. Like I was like, Oh, here we go again. Like Brooklyn and Brooklyn, I think was like an 11 point dog in that game. And I was like, I I was like, I didn't touch it because I was like, okay, no way Brooklyn has had so many issues with Boston and they just have a great playbook against them. And it was like, okay, sure enough, like blowing them out again. And then it just completely flipped. Mikael Bridges was great in that game. And then that's, that's come out, come away victorious and win that basketball game. And that's a, that was a huge loss for Boston. Then the Bucs lose, so it's like, okay, maybe it softens the blow a little bit. They're going head-to-head where it's a full game on the line. And sure enough, the Bucs win, the Celtics lose. Now it is one and a half games, and it could potentially be two games. That's a really tough game for for Boston with having to play Cleveland. Hopefully, Tom Mitchell plays. I think he's like questionable maybe to not play. I I hope he plays in that one. I would assume he does with the Knicks now breathing down the Cavs' neck for that potential fourth spot. As for the uh they blew a huge lead against the Philadelphia 76ers like we can't escape that like we can talk about how, how like there were a lot of good things about this weekend but at the end of the day that might be the biggest headline that they were up 18 with a minute to go in the first in the third quarter they had this game won for Philadelphia i told my wife this my wife asked the bucks won on on saturday sunday morning and i said no they blew a 18 point lead with a minute left to go in the third quarter like how does that happen and I go. I was like, I don't know. I mean, it was crazy to watch in real time. Like Mitch and I were at the broad house, and that's another discussion for another time. Like I, I actually think the Brought house we might need to move locations. Um, that's more a Chuck's Corner comment, but I just, I don't know, man. I feel like the magic's gone. Uh, it's, you know, it's where we saw the Bucs lose to the Celtics last year. We see them lose this terrible, terrible loss. We're like, House boys are back. And then that's how we're, we're paid back by the Bucs. And they uh, blow just this massive lead. And and part of it was Harden seemed unguardable. Like, they they could not seem to guard James Harden. Uh, Drew Holiday kept getting, you know, put into screens. Uh, you know, and they were able to exploit Middleton. They were able to exploit Grayson Allen and, and James Harden had an awesome game. That was probably the best I've seen James Harden against the Bucks, maybe ever. Uh, James Harden would always struggle in Houston. Uh, Bud had a great game plan against James Harden for whatever reason. Uh, Philly sort of figured out how to unlock Harden in that fourth quarter. Uh, and credit to Doc Rivers and credit to the Philadelphia coaching staff. The Bucks have some work to do and I would really study a lot of what Boston does against Harden and Embiid and see what they can do because Philly can't seem to beat Boston, uh, but they've now beat Milwaukee twice. And that's two straight wins for the, the Sixers against against the Bucks. And, you know, the, the lead the lead is the frustrating part, right? I, I almost, if Philly kicked our ass on Saturday night, it would have been frustrating. It would have been a headline. But I, I or if it was like a close game back and forth, right? All the way through. And I think we would be okay with it. I, I think if we got our ass kicked, I think it would have been extra annoying. There'd be a little worry like, can we not be Philly? Is Philly a bad matchup for the Bucks suddenly? Uh but yeah, it was it was really odd to see James Harden be the one that sort of made this shit happen. And that he nearly had a triple double. He had 38 points. Like he was just he was so he was so on fire. And, and that you don't usually see that. I mean, you did see that a little bit with Tatum last year in the playoffs. And Harden, you know, having that moment, it's it's interesting. And maybe it's just one game, and we haven't seen it in the playoffs with him. We haven't seen it, you know, uh, in a lot of Bucks games. So it's possible that this is just an outlier. This is just James Harden having, you know, the game of his life against the Bucs. Maybe not the game of his life. I mean, James Harden's had better games. But you get my point, right? Like, maybe this is just one moment for James Hard- James Harden. Moving on to other things on the bad. Jay Crowder's minutes were a mystery this weekend. Uh, I didn't look if Eric Name asked Bud about this on sa- on Sunday. But Jay Crowder played a grand total of 27 minutes. Uh, he played 13 minutes on Saturday. He played 14 minutes on Sunday. Uh, it, it's starting to, It's a little concerning, right? Uh, if we did golden kegs, which I'm not doing today. Uh, but if we were to do golden kegs, I think that would be my one tag. Is, okay, what's up here now? Why did Jay Crowder get the reduction of minutes all of a sudden? Like, is Mike Booneholes are already like, all right, I'm done, I'm done with Jay Crowder. I I don't I don't really want, <laughs> I don't really want Jay Crowder. Like, think about this. On against Phoenix, I'm glad Giannis wasn't playing. Jay Crowder, uh, 25 minutes. Then against Brooklyn, 26 minutes or 16 minutes. 20 minutes against Orlando, and then now 13 and 14. That. That seems that seems a little off. That that, that doesn't really correlate into why Jay Crow. What, what happened here? Like, is this just maybe Jay Crowder needs a little more time? That he, his conditioning isn't where maybe the coach and the team want him to be. But like, it, it's just odd. It's odd to me that. Jay Crowder's minutes suddenly disappear. Definitely something to keep an eye on this coming weekend and week when the Bucs play three playoff teams in Golden State, uh, Sacramento, and Phoenix. So that's a very tough three-game trip. That's three games and four nights. against three really good teams. Uh, Golden State at home is a good team. Golden State on the road, awful. <laughs> they just not good. But Golden State at home is a good team. So those are three games to really monitor the Jay Crowder minutes. I'm not going to get worked up if Jay Crowder doesn't play much against Orlando and Brooklyn, who they just played. You know, I want to see it against the teams out west um, the following weekend. You know, what does that look like? Um, And does Jay Crowder suddenly get minutes again? Um, because, yeah, that it seems a little off to me. I get. I guess I could get the Washington minutes as he's just kind of ramping himself up. He's only played six games all season. You know, I could see that, you know, a little load management here and there. But who knows, man? It's, it, it is It is odd uh, for me and a lot of other Bucs fans. Uh, you know, the Island Giannis reappearing in the fourth quarter, that Philly game. And what I mean by that is it felt like it was just, it was, hey, Giannis, do something, save us. And we saw that a lot in that Boston series. We've seen that a lot in different different areas when the Bucks have lost right, uh, through the last few years. And there needed to be more of the other guys chipping in. Um, we, it didn't need to just be Giannis. And I think sometimes Giannis feels like he has to be the one to do it. And he had, he had seven turnovers in that game. He had 34 points, but a lot of it was from the free throw line. He was 9-21 of 21 from the field. Uh, I think he made, what, like 16 free throws, something like that. And so I, I look at it, and I, I don't think that was the best Giannis game. And there were some people who were like, "Well, you shouldn't criticize Giannis." It's kind of like the old Rogers stuff, where for a while, uh, people probably might not remember this, given that everyone was critical of Aaron Rodgers last year. Uh, but there was a time where you couldn't basically be critical of Aaron Rodgers and be like, "You're lucky you have Aaron Rodgers." And it's like it's not that we you can be critical of Giannis. Like that was a bad Giannis fourth quarter, right? And it might have been an overall bad Giannis game. And that those are gonna happen, right? Like Giannis' bad games are still gonna look like good games for everybody else. He's the best player in the world. So he struggled a little bit in the fourth quarter. That's okay. Figure out how to how to be different. He was a way more of a facilitator on Sunday night, and I think that really helped. And I think if Giannis sees that and knows that, that can that can create winning basketball. It's awesome. But when guys aren't hitting shots and he's like, I'm trying to be a facilitator, but no one's hitting a fucking shot and I have to kind of do it myself, then that's what that's what happens. But yeah, I think at one point Giannis had made nine or eleven of the bucks straight baskets. And so no one else was contributing as Philly's starting to come back. They needed somebody else to pick up the slack and there was nobody there. And that that gets a little concerning when you get into nut crunching time and get into the playoffs. Letting the Wizards continue to hang around, I thought was annoying. Uh, it's fine, right? At the end of the day, but Bucks really never had that knockout punch, uh, for, for Washington. That could be a little case of the back to back, but yeah, annoying there. No mids on back to back. I mean, that's, that still a thing, right? And then mids fourth quarter defense was awful. Like there's no reason Chris Middleton should have been out there. Should have been Jay Crowder. And, and that was uh, concerning in its own right, but, Again, that might be that might be a Bud thing where Bud's like, I need to see Chris Middleton out here in the crunch time and I need Chris Middleton's offense. And Chris was just a zero on Saturday overall. He just had a bad game and he just the the defense was was awful. Uh, he got moved into switches with Harden. Part of the reason I think why Harden was unguardable was Chris Middleton's defense, which he's usually a pretty good defender. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry too much about the defense. I'm hoping that it gets better as he continues to get into shape. But I think this is some of the fears that people have with Middleton right now is that it doesn't seem like he's turning the corner on some points. Like he's not in the starting rotation. He's still only playing about 25 minutes a game. Like, when are we going to finally, you know, feel 100%? And it's going to be like, okay, yeah, full Chris Middleton's back. Two-way to Chris Middleton is back. And then the three-point defense on Saturday was bad. And that was part of the reason for the comeback against Philadelphia. But all in all, I think we take away from this weekend to say, the Bucks are still at one and a half games up. Bad, bad fourth quarter sucks. But – at the end of the day, it's it's an okay weekend. I think had had you lost both, had Boston, you know, won both of their games, it would be flipped back to the Celtics. That's kind of where the disaster would lie, but. All in all, a decent weekend for the Milwaukee Bucks. Spent a lot of time there, uh, talking Bucks. I didn't expect to go that long, but you know, it is, it is what it is. I actually, I don't know if I said I was going to do Chuck's Corner. I think we will save the Chuck's Corner for uh, tomorrow. Uh, just a few funny things to talk about that are, aren't are sports related. Uh, still so Marquette moving on to them. They got it done against St. John's. I told you guys on, I think it was Friday that I was a little nervous about that game because Marquette and St. John's both had nothing to play for. And it honestly felt like Marquette was going to blow them out. Uh, they were up early in the first 10 minutes. It was 30 to 14 at, at the 10-minute mark. And then St. John's would come back, and they made it close. I think they were down seven, 6 at, at the break. And it was basically down to the wire. And then Marquette was up 10 with 30 minutes, 30 seconds to go. And somehow, some way, St. John's found themselves back into this basketball game. I will say that the refs made themselves very much known. Uh, it was a poorly officiated basketball game. Uh, they they just really were not, you know, had any sort of consistency to their calls. I felt like in the first quarter, they or first half, excuse me, they tried to keep St. John's in the basketball game, and they didn't just let Marquette play this out, and that was that was really frustrating to to say the least. I, I felt like. I felt like that should have it should have really been you know a blowout for Marquette and the refs sort of pulled it back in and gave you know St. John's that opportunity. The free throw discrepancy doesn't show it. Uh, Marquette actually shot uh, six more free or eight ten more free throws than St. John's, but it it definitely felt the path. Marquette didn't really have an answer for Dylan to Wusso he was really good in this game, Uh, and I I think you would say that you don't necessarily want to see St. John's. In that quarterfinal round, you'd probably rather play Butler. I think St. John's would give Marquette a game again. Uh, they they've played Marquette now tough. I think three out of the four halves they've played this year. Marquette buried them in the second half in St. John's, where they did basically flip the game. St. John's was I think leading by a decent margin heading into that break, and then Marquette you know comes through and beats them pretty handily. Yeah. St. John's had a 48-39 to 39 lead in the first half in that game uh, back in, like, January. But now Marquette moves on to Madison Square Garden, and they try to conquer a demon. Marquette has never made a Big East final. They have never won a Big East tournament title. Now, granted, Marquette has only been in the Big East for a little over 15 years, and I think it might be heading into 20 years. No, 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 not 20 years, but by like 15, 15 or 16 years now for the Marquette Golden Eagles. So they haven't been there as long as, you know, some of the chartered members, your Yukons, who came back, St. Hall, Georgetown, St. John's, Villanova, right? Those teams are have been there for a long time. And Marquette so has this opportunity now to sort of conquer this last team and win the Big East title. Now, some people could say, well, you don't want to win your conference tournament because it can wear you down. It's added games. Uh, There is a case to be made that maybe it's a good thing to not win the tournament. I think I haven't really looked at the stats. I'm sure there are stats out there of how successful teams are who win their conference tournament versus teams who lose, lose early and then get that time off. Marquette gets a you know, a few days off, they had, I think five total days off before, you know, their first game on Thursday. It is an early early start. It's you know, I but I, I don't know if that should affect your body clock that much. They've beat St. John's, they beat Butler. I butler would be the ideal matchup for Marquette, but it kind of seems like Butler just wants to go home, right? Uh, they did beat St. John's once at home. They lost to him on the road, got blown out there. So it'll it'll really be interesting to see kind of how that, that game shapes out and then Marquette faces, you know, either, either a team they played last week. So it'll be fresh in every team's head. And as long as Marquette can get it done, then they're either playing Connecticut or Providence on Friday. And it could actually – work to their advantage because Connecticut and Providence is quite the rivalry. They do not like each other. Fan bases don't. And teams, I would assume don't really like each other either. They haven't played in a big East tournament. I think since 1998 was what I saw. I think from John Fanta, it's going to be awesome. That's going to be a great game. It's Thursday afternoon. It's like definitely like sit in front of your couch and watch if you're working from home. But as for, as for that matchup, it's going to be really physical. It's going to be a really hard fought game. UConn, Yukon are killers in the Big East tournament. They've done it for so many years. Uh, Kemba Walker, obviously the, the, who else is there? Uh, Shabazz Napier had a moment in these Big East tournaments. Like UConn has time and again showed up in these tournaments, usually because they have such a home court advantage at Madison Square Garden, even though it's not their home gym. They get great crowds there. And so if you have UConn against Marquette on Friday night, it's probably going to be 75-25 UConn to Marquette. But I think your hope is that they wear down from that game against Providence and it, it's quite the turnaround. Uh, Marquette will get a little more time to recuperate about a day and a half. UConn won't have that same luxury. So you just hope for an absolute backyard brawl. Like you hope for the Dudley boys versus the Hardy boys in a TLC match type of vibe to UConn and Providence. Like that's, that's the best case scenario. And I, I think from a Marquette perspective, I would rather have Providence win that game uh, just because I think Providence is a better matchup for Marquette. Uh, UConn is really challenging inside. Marquette has had issues, you know, in terms of rebounding. They were really good uh, in their first game they played UConn against. They were really bad in their second one. Now, I do think no one would have beat UConn the, the game Marquette lost. So they do have that part of it. And then as for the other side of the bracket, we'll see. I mean, Creighton would want revenge on Marquette. I think... Getting Xavier, who Xavier's kind of just been hanging around, they won't have Zach Fremantle, he's getting season-ending surgery. It's a big loss for the Musketeers. But I think looking at Xavier, who's beat Marquette this year, I don't think there will be that revenge factor if they were to meet in the final. If it were Creighton, I think there would be a a fear that Creighton would would want that sort of to enact that revenge on Marquette, eliminate Marquette, win the conference tournament, might move Creighton up to like a five or potentially even a four uh, if they were to get that done. Villanova is another team. Now, Villanova did lose to UConn, which I think everyone was expecting Uh Villanova to keep rolling, and UConn had a very impressive win on the road against Nova, and if Villanova were to get to that final, again, that would be a huge home court advantage, similar to the UConn conversation we just had, but also they're fighting for their tournament life. There's no way Villanova gets into the NCAA tournament without winning the Big East tournament, so there is is that. To Villanova now, you would wonder about fatigue. That would be four games and four nights for Villanova. Uh, Georgetown did get it done uh, back in the COVID year, but it's the question of could can Villanova do that? Can Villanova repeat that success and and get and get that title win? And find our way back to the tournament, which I, I don't know the last time Villanova hasn't made the tournament. Uh, it's, it's been a long, long time, probably one of the longest active streaks in the NCAA. And I know that matters and having Justin Moore, uh, this and can't, can he carry, you know, that Villanova basketball team and, you know, shock the world a little bit here? Uh, we'll have to see. And that, and that would definitely make Marquette sort of the David and not the Goliath or the Goliath. I hope that Marquette can kind of look like Powerful team look like the one seed, show off why they were the biggie's champs and not go down early. Uh, take care of business against the Butler or St. John's that'd be a disaster to lose that game. And if they can do that and at least get to the semifinal, uh, the semifinal, I still want, I don't want to get you know ran off the court. Uh, if, if they lose a close game, it is what it is, and then you get one extra day to recuperate. But I, I would love to get to the final. I think that would be a huge accomplishment for Marquette. Um, and obviously to win it would be, would be great. They've been the best team in the Big East. And now it's, it's time to show it in the Big East tournament. Wrapping up today's podcast with the Aaron Rodgers discussion. Aaron Rodgers is maybe making a decision this week. Uh it was called Decision Week by beat writer Matt Schneidman. Uh no one knows if Aaron Rodgers will actually make a decision this week. Uh that is left to be unknown. Aaron Rodgers is kind of like a groundhead, a groundhog, right? Like he'll show his shadow and be like, oh hey, Aaron Rodgers, I'm here. Like here, I made I finally made the decision. There hasn't really been a lot of conversation. There's not been a lot of a lot of things going on. So I, I do wonder if you will actually see that happen. Like if you actually see the see Aaron Rodgers make a choice on what he is going to do next season. Will it be a two-pronged decision? Will it be, hey, I'm coming back, but I don't know if I'm gonna be coming back with the Green Bay Packers. Will it be, I'm coming back, I want to be a Green Bay Packer. I'm a Packer for life. We are riding this out. I I do not know if this will be my last year. Um I will decide that again next year. So there you go. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how this all goes. Or will you request a trade? Will there be an Adam Schefter tweet Wednesday morning that causes me to do a podcast and Aaron Rodgers has requested a trade from the Green Bay Packers? And then here we go. And there was a lot of noise. It felt like this weekend uh, in the Combine broadcast that Aaron Rodgers was going to be a member of the New York Jets. It seemed like Dan Jeremiah felt like the, the Jets wouldn't even need a first-round pick. And if that were the case, Brian Gutekunst should be fired. Like, I'm not not lying to you. If the Packers don't get a first round pick or a conditional first for Aaron Rodgers, people's jobs need to be on the line. Maybe not fired right away, but that's an immediate hot seat. Like that's is like no turn, no stop on go. Like you are immediately on the hot seat because that to me is inexcusable. I, Aaron Rodgers is yes an old quarterback, but. Matt Stafford got a lot of picks for being Matt Stafford, and Matt Stafford's just a little younger than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers would be trying to deliver a championship for another team. If you don't at least get a first-round pick for the future of Green Bay, that's ridiculous to me. If you get a conditional first, uh, where it's like, okay, if Rogers plays 12 games or he plays all 16 or something like that, like he doesn't break his collarbone again or have a concussion again, then we get your first round pick for next year. Would suck, you know, with the Jets if they were good. And then that, but that's only a you know, 20th pick over 20, 25 pick overall. Still, still a good first-round pick. Like you would still get great players that that late, right? You got Kenny Clark that late years ago. Uh, you you've had some Clay Matthews, another good example when the Packers you know had a late-round pick. But at the same time, you'd want that 13 overall for the Jets. Like that that would be ideal. And then there was also talk that if Aaron Rodgers did go to the Jets, Alan Lazard would want to come with him and join him. Alan Lazard has a, a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers, so that that's not a a surprise to me but it was interesting that that came out too like oh hey by the way if this does in fact happen like was that the prelude was that the warning shot that this is this is happening this week that Aaron Rodgers is getting traded to the New York Jets and Aaron Rodgers has already made his decision And because he's not really that tied in with the media and he doesn't have, you know, sources that are leaking stuff out, even though we've talked about that before, that I'm sure there are agents that are already, you know, talking to Schefter, talking to Rappaport, talking to Palisaro, uh, Grafalo, like name your beat writer, or not beat writer, name your like NFL uh Analyst, uh breaking, I don't know, insider. That's the word I was looking for. I was like, what, what word am I looking for? I was looking for insider. Like I'm sure someone is having a conversation about what Aaron Rodgers is planning to do. And yeah, maybe it's that's maybe that's gonna kick off the NFL new year, is that at the you know March third fifteenth, Aaron Rodgers will be traded to the New York Jets and for you know a first and a second or whatever it may be. Um and maybe that's you know the news that will come out this week um or maybe it is Aaron Rodgers back and then there's the Adam Schefter tweet that Jordan Love's requested a trade Jordan Love would like to be traded from the Green Bay Packers because he does believe he's a starter in this NFL. Now, it, all of this would be interesting conversation for the rest of the offseason for up until the draft. It it's it's going to be really really interesting to watch how this all is all transpires because I don't know where it's going to go. I, I feel like last week I was a little more on the side of, all right, I, I could see Aaron Rodgers back in a Packer uniform. Now with sort of this jet smoke that happened this weekend, now I'm more leaning towards he's going to get traded to New York. He doesn't care about, you know, the far part aspect of this. And, and it's, it's going to all just be, you know, Aaron, Rod, Aaron Rodgers decision. He's going to go the Brady Manning route. I think you could flip a coin, even though you'd really need a three sided coin, but you could flip a coin and it could happen either way. But maybe that third side, which is retirement, is not on the table. I don't think that's happening. Just given some of his comments he was making to Aubrey Marcus about, you know, still having that chip on his shoulder, still having that fire, wanting to prove people wrong from last season, I, I doubt. Aaron Rodgers' retirement. I, that one, that I think would be the one that would surprise me the most. Out of the three choices, if you were to give me coming back to the Packers, Jets, or uh, retirement, I think retirement would floor me, and I'd be like, I can't believe he actually retired. Uh, and if he got traded the Jets, I'd be like, yep, yeah, I can see it. You know, everyone kind of talking about it last weekend after the combine, sure enough. And that if he's like, oh, I'm coming back, and they're actually going to trade Jordan Love, I'd be like, oh yeah, I can see that too. And with the 2024 draft being very quarterback heavy, uh, could definitely see you know that possibility as well. So I, I look at it all to say. I just want it to be over. I, I think I speak for everybody. Uh, I know Stephen A has, has basically put a boycott on talking about Aaron Rodgers during the first take. Uh, he was like pretending to be asleep, I think late last week. They just didn't want to talk about it anymore, which I get. Uh, it's kind of, it's the same conversation. You know, Mitch and I had one last week and I, it's, it's the same sort of things you, you talk about, but you have to because it's, it basically, Changes the entire offseason. You know, Shannon and I talked about that two weeks ago, where it's like, once we know the Rodgers thing, then we can start talking really in depthly about what the Packers might do from a team perspective. Can they still be a Super Bowl contender even without Aaron Rodgers? Right. I think that's a, that's a conversation to be had or, you know, how, how do you approach this Jordan Love season? Do you have to say, all right, yeah, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a young quarterback and this is his first time, but. Is the time already running out on Jordan Love? You know, it's is it, you know, it's is it still win now? You know, what does that do from a Brian Gunacuse and a Matt LaFleur perspective when it comes to their coaching? You know, I I think there are so many questions that are still unanswered. And so that's why we have to keep talking about this because it really just takes the season in, in a few different directions, right? So we'll just have to see. We'll see if we get a decision this week. Knowing how it works, it will be, co- it will come at the most inconvenient time for all of us, but we will make sure to have, you know, coverage on it whenever Aaron Rodgers does decide, if he does decide this week. All right. That does it for today's show. Uh, like I said, we'll back tomorrow. Uh, we'll do, we'll preview the conference tournaments. Uh, we'll talk about Marquette. We'll talk about Wisconsin. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about UWM, uh, if they were able to beat Cleveland State or not. I know I did talk a little bit. More about Marquette than maybe I I wanted, so we'll think about some sort of unique unique topic um, on that and figure out how how to uh, how to do that. So, all right, take care of yourself. Have a great week. Uh, we will talk tomorrow and uh, see you guys all this week talking Marquette, Bucks, and Packers, and maybe an Aaron Rodgers decision. All right, see you guys. Have a good one. Bye.